Hello everyone, welcome to Talk Talks. I'm your host, Andrew Kistner, the Director of Marketing for the Oxford Center. And today we have Dr. <laughs> Alicia Heise, uh, who is our clinical or our Director of Clinical Services, and she runs all of PTOT Speech. She's absolutely incredible. She's been on the program before. Um, and she has a doctorate in physical therapy, Correct. Uh, which is why I call her doctor. I don't think anyone else does, but I like to bug her. Um, and uh, before actually we get into this, I wanted to thank everyone. We are almost at 7,000 subscribers on YouTube. Um, and we're doing great on all the other platforms, but um, it was just a few months ago we hit 100. So I think that's fantastic. Um, and I'm pretty excited about to see where this is going. So um, today, we are talking about sensory integration therapy. Um, and Alicia has started this program at the Oxford Center, and it's very involved. There's a lot to it. Um, I am still just scratching the surface of knowing what it is. Um, and I've just kind of overheard, you know, think, Alicia talk about things. So I really wanted to have her on the podcast, dive in, figure out what it is, who it can help, and how it helps them. So welcome to the podcast again. Thank you, thank you for having me again. Yes, I love having you on. Um, so the first question I have is explain just the overall 30,000 foot view of what is sensory integration therapy? Ooh, that's a loaded question. It is. Um, so s sensory integration therapy is really working to hone in on all those senses that we have in our body. Got it. Um, so senses are a complex neural network that tells us our inside of our body and our external body. Um, without that, we cannot interact with the world and we can't interact with ourselves. So there are the seven different senses, um, you know, everything from your vision, your hearing, your touch, your smell, your taste. Um, but there's also proprioception, so knowing where your body is at in space, your vestibular, so whether or not your body is moving and in linear directions, vertical directions, um, arcs or rotational. Hmm. And then there's also interoception, which is the sensation you get from the inside of your body, your heart rate, your breathing, your stomach. So if you have digestive pain, that's your interoception. That is your body giving you a sensation to tell you that something is wrong on the inside. Right. So you have all of these senses that help you interact with your surroundings and with yourself. And when just one of those is off, can right. you imagine how disruptive that can be? Yeah. Um, so, and mean, everyone's different. I mean, it can be less maybe different. disruptive to me, yes. but for Gracie, who yes. has you know, cerebral palsy, autism, mm -hmm. that could be incredibly disruptive. Incredibly disruptive. Yeah. And then you take each of those seven sensory systems, and within each one, you have different types of sensory dysfunction. Got it. So you can have, you can be hypersensitive, you can be hyposensitive, you can even have what are called sensory cravings, where you, your body just needs more and needs more and needs more. Um, or you can just have total dysfunction where you right. don't interpret or you don't feel or you, your brain can't figure out what that means. Um, so for touch, for example, us all day long know that our clothes are on our body. Our right. brain is no longer paying attention to that. Right. Well, a kiddo whose in brain... In fact, I would go as far to say it would pay attention if there weren't clothes on my body. Right. But a kiddo whose brain is interpreting their skin as almost defensive mm. is going to feel a heightened sense of dysfunction because there's clothes on their body. Wow. So now all of a sudden their brain is so overwhelmed because you have now put something along on all of their skin. Our skin is our biggest organ. Right. And now you're going to put clothes on it and stimulate the living daylights out of it all day long. You're going to be in trouble. And so right. we have all of 
all of these tactile diversions for kiddos like with autism that mm -hmm. have that sense of touch dysfunction, especially when you put them in tight clothes or you put them in restrictive clothes because now their body can't move either. So you, now you're interrupting their proprioceptive, their body right. movement. So it's just, it's very complex and it's just how we interpret that entire world around us. Awesome. Yeah. So what, talk to me a little bit about the common, I don't know really what to say conditions, but sensory mm -hmm. um, issues or whatever you'd want to, you probably have a technical name for them sensory things that you kind of cover? What are things to look for to know, oh, this is sensory, this is something that Alicia could help me with? Yes, so a lot of the common ones that we get are, and I hear this one all the time, they love big hugs. They love big hugs. Okay. So that big hug. <laughs> That's crazy. Isn't it though? 100%. Um, but there'll be so many people that are like, oh my gosh, they, yes. A big hug or a deep hug, so the big squeeze gives your body that flux of proprioceptive input. So if you squeeze so much of your body, your brain now goes, oh, that's where my body's at in space. Oh. And then it wants more of that because now it can feel itself. Okay. So you see a lot of kids that will hug themselves when they're right. feeling upset um, or they crave that big hug or those tight restrictive clothing or right. the bed sheets. They want them tight, they want everything tight and it's because they need to start feeling their body. Um, another big one is toe walking. Uh, a yeah. lot of times that's, that's very sensory based. Um, a lot of other things that can go into toe walking, right. like quad quad weakness and other things. But some of it's truly a sensory thing. They want more of that input from, from their feet. Um, we see a lot of difficulty with the visual system. There are 22 different skills in our visual system alone. In acuity, so the clarity that you can see with is just right. one. Wow. <laughs> um, your eyes need to be able to converge and diverge and gaze and stabilize on an object and be able to interpret it. You need to be able to see the object and manipulate it in your mind and know whether it's farther away or closer or if it's on its side, can you still tell that it's ketchup even though the bottle is sideways or do you need that bottle straight up and down? Right. And so all of those pieces and then there's visual memory and all of the other pieces that go with visual. But um, if you take that complex concept and your visual system can't tell you how far away you are from something, you're gonna to wanna to touch it. You're always gonna to wanna to touch it right. so you can start to figure out how far away from you it is. That's what Gracie does. And, and Gracie a lot of does these that. I have you know, experience with just yeah. because I know my kids. So as mm -hmm. you're saying things, it's going, oh yeah, okay. oh, yeah. we have that. Um, <laughs> so, she wants to touch everything. She has uh -huh. to touch the wall, she tracks the wall. She So the tracking of the wall is a totally, totally, different, totally a different another one. one. <laughs> so the tracking of the wall, when you just are walking and it's not really a tactile thing, um, hmm. Some kiddos, they want to touch because there's a cool texture and they want to right. feel it. Usually you will see them feeling it. Right. But when you just track the wall, you're increasing your base of support. You're, you're recognizing how far away you are from that wall right. the entire time. It gives you more of a sense of purpose and, oops, sorry, and space for your right. body when you now give it that external cue. So you can feel yourself better when right. you know how far away you are from all of these things and you can start to, to ground yourself. That is crazy. Yeah. So she does it, so she tracks the wall, and if mm -hmm. you've seen Gracie walk along a wall, she's got one finger. The whole time. The whole time on that wall. Mm -hmm. And so it's basically, it's connecting so that she knows where that wall is. I know exactly how far away I am yep. from that wall. Mm -hmm. So that, it's not visual, because she can, can't see necessarily, d determine the depth yep. of um, or depth perception, I yep. guess. Or is it both? Is it more it than could, that? It could be both. Okay. And it's, it's a, you know, it's a very loaded question. Right. Um, but those same kids that need that wall to figure out where they're at in space, 
panic when there isn't something to touch. So the middle of an open parking lot right. is so scary because now they have nothing to rely on to no figure reference. out where they're at. So that's when they, you know, they start to gravitate towards cars, which is a very dangerous right. um, and other things like <laughs> that. Good. But it, it's, it's terrifying and yeah. so it's disruptive. But you and I, we can say like, wow, I don't like this. Right. Whereas kiddos that can't give us that same communication or don't right. understand what is going on, right. it will trigger a flight or flight response. Right. So you will get a very f big rush of that sympathetic nervous system and they want out and they will do what they need to do right. to and get out. If they're, non, if they're nonverbal like mm -hmm. Gracie, that's going to come across differently than like yes. me saying, <clears throat> I don't like the situation, let's go. Yep. She's just going to whine and break down. And, right, and, because that's the only way she knows how right. to get herself out of that situation. Right, so I, I would assume that probably, I mean, we both work here. We, <laughs> we both have offices and whatnot, and it's every hour, you know. Mm -hmm. we're, we're dealing with, with kiddos that have a lot of these challenges. Correct. Um, and, you know, it's not uncommon to hear a kid just, you know, not having a fun time at that moment. You know, an important mm -hmm. moment, an and important that's moment. very regular at you know any center that you know mm -hmm. treats autism. Um, so I wonder if, like a lot of our kiddos here, it's the sensory side of things that we're really dealing with. Very it's much not, so. That that creates the behaviors, I guess. Yes. It, you know, behaviors yep. are good behaviors. You know. Right. Um, that it's it's a very broad term. But, it's a very broad term. Um, and there are there are behavior behaviors. Right. And there are avoidant behavior. There's all you can name the behavior in so many different ways, but at the root cause of that behavior, many times it is a sensory component. Hmm. Um, because not only is there those seven senses, but then you also have the praxias. So can you sequence together how to do something? So if I Got tell it. you to stand up, you automatically, in your mind, without even thinking about it, sequence multiple steps in order right. to stand up. You know you gotta back your chair up, and then you have to turn, and then you have to lean initiate forward. the lean yeah. forward, and then you gotta, how many steps was that already? And that's right. like the, the bare minimum of just trying to explain it briefly. But a kiddo that can't even figure out how to back the chair up, and you're sitting here going, stand up, stand up, stand up. How overstimulating and how overwhelming is that for that right. brain who, who can't even figure out what to do first? You're asking for this huge complex task. Which to us. Which to us is, I don't is a think normal day it. task. We don't think me. about it. Stand up, that's one thing. Right, but, but it's not. They have, yes. We have to break it down. We that's do. so interesting. And so those kids that can't work through those sequences and don't know where to start, don't know that step one, that's a motor apraxia or a sequencing issue, we have to start here and just constantly giving them those cues, like stand up, oh, they're not standing up again. Like, yes, that is frustrating for us on the outside, but they don't even know, like they can't, right. <laughs> they don't know how right. to do it. Um, so yeah, you're gonna get, and I love it, um, there was always this one reference where um, they referenced those behaviors as the Hulk. And it, and it yeah. really is, because um, when you trigger that sympathetic nervous system over and over and over again, it goes to flight or flight. Right. And what does the Hulk do? He breaks down everything and everything in his way in right. order to get out of whatever situation he's in or get right. through it. And the only thing that can calm him down is re-increasing that parasympathetic, that calming system. And so it's that same type of principle for our kiddos. We 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 right. triggered the Hulk. Right. <laughs> and now yeah, and now we have to we have to work back through it. Um, yeah. And it does, and it happens a lot. And it's all of those things that you and I take for granted right. all day long, every day because that's how we interpret our world. Interesting, so talk to me, I, I've always been curious about this one, and I had kind of a, a theory, I don't know whether the theory holds any water, um, on, on toe walking. Mm -hmm. um, Grace never never toe walked, I mean, we just tried to get her to walk, period. <laughs> Could have been toes, fine. Uh, but she never toe walked. I always kind of envisioned that is, um, 
as you're thinking, as you're talking through this, and you talk about the visual component of things, I always looked at it as um, it's a stabilization mm -hmm. issue. And I mean, could be completely wrong. Just let me know. But like, uh, if you your phone right now, if you're recording a video with your, st your phone, it has stabilization components in it, and software, mm -hmm. and even hardware. There's mm -hmm. springs on all the corners of your your lens. They're microscopic for Pete's sake, mm -hmm. and they are they are stabilizing that camera both physically and through software Correct. to make that smooth. So even though you're looking on the screen while you're recording, it's bouncing, but when it exports that video into your camera, uh, whatever, uh, album, it's as smooth as can be. Mm -hmm. And I always thought maybe, and again, could be wrong, that I'm walking flat-footed, my brain is stabilizing that image. To me, it's completely smooth. Right. But it's like, children or even adults that walk on toes, it's like they're creating that stabilization mm -hmm. because their brain isn't stabilizing that automatically. Right. Am I on the right track at all? And it doesn't matter whether I'm on a track or not, but I'm just a marketing guy. <laughs> but is that anything? Yes, so there are very strong relationships between toe walking and the visual system. Hmm. Um, so that's that gaze. It's like putting on shocks. Yeah. It's like why you know yep. cars have shocks. They're yep. stabilizing. Yep. So similarly, yeah. So it stabilizes it stabilizes that field. The brain doesn't have to interpret quite as much or take out quite as much of that motion. Um, but it could also be the vestibular system. So their vestibular mm. system might be over triggered. So same thing as you're going right. up and down, you're triggering that vestibular system over and over and over again. They might not like that. So they may want to walk on toes to try and avoid that extra motion from the inner ear, that extra oh, input. Interesting. Or um, there's another one where they they don't really have their proprioceptive input, they're, they're where their body's at in space. So the more they can walk on a smaller surface or up on their toes, they can get more muscular input, they can get more feedback from the bottom up. So right. they can feel more. So rather than tracking a wall, they're tracking the floor. Yeah. With toes. So, you know, up on the toes, you have to, you get the ankle joint all the way to the, the end range. You start engaging that gastroc soleus complex you get more of that feedback from the feet. So right. you, you increase the threshold for that feedback. So, so there's so many different ways that right. toe walking can go. So <laughs> you've brought, it could be a lot of things okay. is what it gets down to. So I guess the, <laughs> the next question is, is how do you assess? So we have Gracie track on the wall. Mm -hmm. That could be five different things, could be, yeah, more. could be more. How do we, or toe walking or whatever the case may be, you brought up lots of different things mm -hmm. that it, you know, we could help with from the sensory side of things. How do you assess, how do you determine what it is for that particular child? So I am working on finishing up um, a certification in sensory integration evaluation. Okay. Because um, you already have a certification in sensory integration therapy, correct? Yep, working okay. on the final, final application for that one. So <laughs> it's so close. It's been a long, a long road, but I, yeah. it's very exciting. Um, and so we, we evaluate, we, we do the testing, we see what it says, and we, we observe. Right. So, you know, I have this complex background of all of these different sensory systems, all of the different ones that are going on, you know, can we, it's a, it's a puzzle, right. and it really is a puzzle. Um, so trying to figure out which pieces are strong, which pieces are, you know, they're having a little bit of trouble with, which ones are hyper, which ones are hypo, which mm -hmm. ones just aren't really working much at all. Right. Um, and then trying to figure out all of those pieces together, you know, we, we build a very particular program for each kiddo. So it that. is directed directly towards them. We highlight their strengths. A kiddo, especially in the autism world, is faced with failure every single day. Right. Um, so the, the more they fail, the more they, they don't want anything to do with it. Right. 
because it, it quickly and quickly and quickly triggers that sympathetic nervous system. It just, right. the sooner you, you are faced with failure, the sooner you want out. Right. And so if that's what we're faced with all day, you're not even gonna look at it <laughs> and wanna come participate. So what we have to do is we have to figure out those strengths, figure out where they're successful, and really hone in on those skills. When we figure out the success, we then start putting in slight challenges slowly, real right. slowly, because we don't, we don't want to force failure. They already have that there. Right. They do that all the time. Right. <laughs> um, so if we, within their success, can start to show their brain that, hey, that tactile sensation wasn't so bad. Right. I, might, I might be able to handle the soft. Okay, so they handled soft. So now maybe we'll introduce rough, a rough texture, right. when they're doing something that they enjoy. So maybe it's, you know, bouncing. So we'll right. have them sitting on a peanut ball and doing different textures. Can they start handling all of these different sensations and putting them all in very slowly where they still have success? Right. Um, because that and that and only that is when you can start to have true brain challenge or sensory integration. That's awesome. Yeah. That is really, really cool. It is. So this is, um, this is a new therapy, obviously, um, not just for you, but for the Oxford Center. Correct. Talk to me a little bit about how you found this and what intrigued you to learn about it. Because I, um, I don't see this anywhere. Um, I see, so side note, in, in, a lot of people know the Oxford Center's kind of belief on sensory yes. uh, things. You know, we're not huge fans of sensory rooms because mm -hmm. it, it's a Band-Aid, you Correct. know. Um, and we're putting, you know, we're having an important moment. Oh, we're on sensory, oh, let's put them in a room that's calming. It's like, no, let's find out why we're having a sensory right. issue. And let's work on that. Let's work to on fix the true it, cause. You know? Yes. Um, and so we think a little bit differently, I guess, than tr traditional, you know, right. programs. Um, so how did you find this, and what led you to learn about it? Because I've never heard of this anywhere. I hear of sensory and you know stuff, and I know what that is. Right. This is not that. No. Um, so it's been it's been kind of a crazy ride. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, the transition into the autism world was kind of just that eye-opening, yeah. like, to us all. Yeah, <laughs> right? Um, and then it was the, well, everything we're doing, like, we're not, we're just continuing the same patterns. Right. Why are these same patterns happening over and over? Like, right. we're not getting to that next step, and we're, we're, we were missing this piece. Um, and consistently, so the Oxford Center and Tammy have always said, you know what, a sensory room doesn't do good. There's no such thing as a sensory room in the community. Right. But what it's not real world. And it's not real world. Um, but what there are is there's playgrounds and there's all of these other things that are real world. Mm -hmm. So if we can actually start to address some of these things or, you know, finding things that a mom can carry with her in her purse. And so if, they're, if we need something quick, you know, this is, this is that thing. Um, right. So we were trying to figure out what, what is the root cause of all, of all of these consistent things that we keep struggling with and struggling with and struggling with because just strictly calling it a behavior and only addressing the behavior when it's happening right. isn't, isn't getting to the root of the issue. Right. Um, and so there's we, a reason for the behavior. There's a reason for the behavior. As Tammy would all, say, what is the function of the behavior? All behavior yes. is communication right. in every way, shape, and form, whether it is truly a full-blown behavior or whether it is all of the other things that come in the autism world that we call behaviors. Right. Um, and so we were missing this, this common piece and you know there's been quite a bit of research done and all of that other pieces on, on true sensory integration and 
how we interpret the world and it kind of just clicked like if okay if this kiddo can't interact with their world and all we're doing is telling them that they can't interact with their world they already know that right all we're doing is reintegrating their failure over and right. over so we need to really take a step back and figure out what happened yeah. and why and so it was that why i love the why's yes um and my why's always lead me to war why's right <laughs> and that's fine um so taking that, taking that big step, diving into the research, and I'm really excited for where we're, we're going to try and try and go with all of this yeah. now in the future, um, you know, and see if there's there's all of these connections with the body, yeah. and it'll it'll be really cool. Um, so more to come on that one, but awesome, I love <laughs> we it. We got specialized equipment coming in. So we do. We already have a lot of equipment. Yes. <laughs> so tell me uh, one of the big questions, and we talked about it a little bit before. Mm -hmm. Um, is uh, and we'll show a picture on on the screen. I'll get Carter to take a nice picture of the room. Uh, we built an entire gym for this. We did. Um, and it has tons of different components. Yes. Um, the question I had, and I everything I take is from the Gracie perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, she tracks the wall. Okay. Um, I look at this gym, and it looks like it's a ninja gym essentially. Mm -hmm. And there's more components coming. It's not completely finished. We're right. getting there, but how do we? How are we going to teach Gracie, who tracks the wall, who just learned to walk, for Pete's sake, what is the gym going to do for her? Mm -hmm. how, how does it work? How does it work? Fun fact, the gym will never really truly be done. Right. And the reason we designed the gym in the way that we did is all of, all of the tasks need to be novel. They need to be new. Once mm -hmm. you learn a task and you learn how to work through it, the brain already knows it. It no right. longer serves its purpose. It needs to be adjusted. It needs to be changed. It needs to be challenged. Example. I know how to stand up. Right. Okay. So to me, it's one task. I right. learn that task. I just do it. You just do okay. it. Okay. Um, but for the kiddo who can't stand up, right. if they learn, okay, I turn my chair, and that's step one. Well, I no longer need to work on step one. So why do why would I keep hitting step one over and over and over again? It doesn't make sense. Right. What I now need to do is change change my task. So can you stand up from that chair? Can you stand up from one that swivels? Can Got you stand it. up from a couch? It's all different sequencing. It's all new. It's all planned. Can we make our motor plan now community-wide? Right. Can, we, can we adjust to all of the things around us? So our sensory gym um, is, yes, it is a ninja, a ninja course. <laughs> um, all, of our, all of our obstacles can be interchanged. They're all on carabiners. They're all on right. hooks max weight capacity for adult weights um, because I didn't want limitations. Right. I want I want young adults, I want old adults, I want Because, I mean, it anyone. could be mm -hmm. TBI. I mean, it could Correct. be a million things yep. um, that an adult might need this Correct. for as well. Yep. Um, so we, we made sure that it was weight limit right. appropriate, which is also why we did the whole Ninja Gym. Right. Um, but all of them are on... Um, height adjustable, so I yeah. can lower all of the obstacles lower to the ground for our littler kiddos or those that have gravitational insecurities. So if you don't know where your body is at, the farther you get away from the ground, yeah. the more your body's going to panic. Right. We see that with Gracie. We see that with Gracie. We see that with a couple of our other kiddos yeah. here. Um, and so we start, we have all of these ground obstacles because that is, that is our community. Can you step up onto a curb and can you right. step over something? Can you step through something? Can you navigate around it? Everything in there is padded. The floor is padded. The walls are padded. Um, right. All of the beams are padded. Um, because that way we can ensure a safe space while practicing some of these skills. Um, but we can work on crossing midline, which is a huge, a huge piece that uses multiple parts of the brain, your corpus callosum, all of the bilateral integration, 
Um, we can do sequencing. So can you can you motor plan to get through a two-step obstacle? Oh, can you motor plan to get onto an obstacle? Right. Um, we have a couple little kiddos here that they look at it and they're like, right. cool. And right. then they don't know what to do. So we have to sit there and go, okay, put your knee up. Okay, put your other knee up. Okay, put your hand here. Okay, put your other hand here. Right. But now we've done it for a couple of days. They can get on that first obstacle. And it's training because it's, it's yes, training because the brain. we're retraining the brain on how to move the body and how to recognize where that body is at and how to adjust for balance and stabilities and things like right. that. Um, the fun part about our sensory program here is we are doing it across all three disciplines: physical therapy, occupational therapy, and even some speech therapy. Wow! Um, because there are certain components that certain disciplines are just better at. Yeah, absolutely, makes um, sense. You know, PTs are, are great at proprioceptive, they're great at the vestibular system, they're great at that motor, motor apraxias, but so is OT, but in yeah. a different way. Right. Um, you know, OT works a lot on the hands and the body and how it moves and coordinating all of, yeah. all of the fingers and hands, which is also a huge part of the sensory integration system. They work right. on the tactile system a lot. They work on the visual system. Um, you know, in our speech, they work on the memory, the cognition, all of those other pieces so you can sequence through things, so you can do those multi-step patterns, so you can mm -hmm. start here, then what? First this, then that. And so, you know, we have all three disciplines really working together to create this big plan and to help these kiddos, young adults, right. older adults, right. <laughs> however you want to categorize right. all, all of our people, people here. <laughs> Um, so we can actually work through a lot of these sensory dysfunctions. Yeah. Um, and there are some that are beyond our scope and that just those ones we have to refer out for second opinions from some other right. you know, higher level physicians or other things like that. But right. um, we do with what we can in our, in our disciplines. So. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. It is. So um, the question I've always had, mm -hmm. uh, and for me, it, it, it was another question I had to ask myself, was we were involved in PT. Yes. We were always, because that was our biggest need was physical therapy. Mm -hmm. um, like if we didn't have speech or OT or any of those other therapies, we needed PT, you know what I mean? Um, but as you talk about this program, mm -hmm. um, and just looking at the kids in our program, I, I see kids that I know aren't in PT, Right. but I think could probably benefit from PT. Is that an accurate statement? Yes, so often, it's, it's so common that I get, oh, well, he's walks, he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. What? He's very stable. He can run now. <laughs> he plays at the playground. Right. Okay, but does he? Yeah. Does he go play? And right. does he know how to move his body? And is he aware of how he's moving his body? Yeah. You know, are we, are we spending 45 minutes on the swings and that's it? Because right. all we're doing is that arc pattern. Yeah, that's that's vestibular stimulation. That's about it. That's not playing at a playground, mm -hmm. um, you know. But there's so many. There's so much more to just PT than oh my kids walking. They're it's fine. It's a huge field. Huge field. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've seen it grow even in the last six years, seven years that we've been in it. Mm -hmm. On I mean, it's like overtaking other fields, parts of other fields. Um, it, it's it's massive. Yes. Um, so kiddos in on our program or, or out and about. Mm -hmm. Even though, because like, most centers offer speech and OT, almost we're probably one of the only centers that offers PT. Yes. Uh, and this is a PT program, correct? Mm -hmm. So this is an Oxford program, an and Oxford I can't program. stress that enough. It okay. is, it is going to be encompassed here. Right. Um, yes, 
I am a PT and I'm kind of headlining this program right. and we'll be doing all of the assessments and things like that. But it really takes an entire team to yeah. do this the right way. Right. Um, because there are so many specialties involved in autism, in sensory processing, yeah. in all of these. I mean, couldn't do it without the BCBAs guiding, you know, the background of these behaviors, when they're coming on, when what is happening, you know, how can we how can we manage those behaviors from the truly behavioral analyst's perspective. Right. Um, the PT side, that proprioceptive, the vestibular, you know, some of the vision, some of the balance, coordination, those types of pieces, the tactile. OT, you know, like I said, it is Right. It is multidisciplinary. Which is what we do here. Which is what we do here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Our synergistic approach. Yes. Um, and I love that it's going to continue to grow. Uh, yes. I, I, I swear Tammy doesn't like things that aren't going to grow. Uh, she wants, she just keeps going. Yes. Um, so, okay, we did that. Let's add this. Let's mm -hmm. add this. Uh, it's, I, I absolutely love that about, about her in this place. So. Our goal is to also add in the biological and the physiological aspects mm -hmm. as well. So. Interesting. Yeah. So our neurofeedback and our, oh, our yeah. biofeedbacks right. will all be a part of it as well eventually. Yeah, neurofeedback, so. I bet, mm -hmm. would complement Correct. this extremely well. Yes, yes. Um, which is a growing program for also us. Also a growing program. Yes. And our biofeedback, which is hopefully soonish to come. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't have a behavior without having right. heart rate, respiratory rate, interoceptive changes. Yeah. I mean, us, ourselves, you know, if we get emotional, you feel it. Yes, you do. So what is this, like, is it, can our physiological change happen first? Can we start to catch these earlier before they even, yes. So right. I'm very excited. This um, is awesome. So it just, it keeps going and it will keep going. Um, and, you know, headlining research and all of these other fun things for this yeah. um, as we continue to develop. Um, it's been very much so put them in a calming room, let them yeah. de-escalate, and then we'll try again. But right. we got to actually start at the right. cause. Yep, and um, like we, you mentioned this a few minutes ago, our goal is to get them back in the community, in the real world, and the real world doesn't have sensory rooms and headphones and you know all the things that we put band-aids on. Mm -hmm. um, and I like that we've taken you know the the side of let's find out why. Yeah. Let's let's see if we can fix that. Let, what's the root cause and how can we help? Mm -hmm. You know. So. One great example right now is that stand up. We have a kiddo right now that has a hard time standing up. And for a while, that was part of his program. Okay, let's stand up. Okay, let's stand up. And I kept getting this feedback like, he's not standing up. And I, so I put him through a couple, couple different sequencing, motor sequencing tasks. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, he cannot motor sequence. Huh. So I went back to our collaborative program and said, he can't do this. Like oh, we're asking him this, but he can't even. He can't do this. Right. And so we have we have changed our program. We've changed the way that we're asking him to move his body, and his behaviors have started to decrease. He's doing better in ABA. He's doing better following his directions, because his brain can start to process it. So right there, we're already we're already starting to do. That's root cause. Root cause. <laughs> he can't he can't sequence this. Right. Um, but and no it, one, no one no one. I would venture to say outside of Oxford would have seen this. No. Yes. Uh, so. They would have just kept drilling and killing the behavior, you mm -hmm. know, um, and, you know, doing positive things like, you know, motivating things like I get that. But yeah. if we can't do the, the root cause of things, right. you're not going to make progress. Correct. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, thanks for doing a podcast with me. <laughs> thanks I, for having me. <laughs> I really had all these questions um, over the last, you know, year on wondering how this is all going to come together, who all it's helpful for. Um, 
and it was nice to kind of bring it all, you know, in one uh, one episode. So. Yeah, of course. Thanks you for bet. having me. You bet. Well, that, we're going to wrap this episode up. Um, we're probably going to have Alicia on again at some point to talk a um, little bit more about this as this program evolves for the Oxford Center. Um, if you want more information, you, you know how to find us. Uh, please like, subscribe, and share. Uh, continue to help us grow um, our uh, YouTube uh, network and our, our podcast network. We're having a blast at this, and it's very enjoyable. So we will see you guys next week.